up and down the coast of California, from San Diego to Sacramento, from the Bay to the border, these are the young voices of the Golden State. This podcast tells their stories, the stories of men and women who are fighting for a voice in their communities and all over the country, who are working together in solidarity to rise up as one. From Fusion Media Group, this is The Brave. I am a 21-year-old gay transgender man, and I have lived in Bakersfield for the last um, 11 years. Before that, I lived in Ohio, Um, and I am a community advocate for the LGBTQ community, and I am a journalist and um, associate producer for the youth media broadcast um, web series in the 661. Wow. Seems like you are doing a lot. Yeah, (laughs) I keep busy. (laughs) Dean Welliver is a youth organizer in Bakersfield with the Dolores Huerta Foundation and journalist for South Kern Soul, organizing around LGBTQ youth issues in Kern County. When Dean was in high school, he was bullied to the point that he just ended up leaving. I was um, informally pushed out of school, which also opened my eyes to the school-to-prison pipeline when I was a freshman in high school. Um, I was being bullied a lot, both on campus and cyberbullying. I couldn't walk down the the hallways of my high school without being called, like, five different LGBTQ slurs. Um, And this is happening every day. And, you know, sometimes it was just random people. Sometimes it was, like, concentrated efforts by certain groups of, of kids. And, um, you know, I, I, I complained and I, you know, I filed some reports. But my school district really didn't do anything to make me safe at school. They didn't really take the problem seriously. And it got to the point where it was just really bad for me. So I decided to voluntarily leave. But I feel like I kind of was pushed out because they didn't make it safe for me to stay. And recently he wrote a piece for the Bakersfield Californian that's caused quite a stir. Uh, one of the probably scariest moments of my career was um, back in 2016, there was a murder of a transgender woman of color in Bakersfield. And the media in the Bakersfield Police Department were using like the wrong name and the wrong pronouns. It was her male name or, you know, her name that her dead name from before she had transitioned. But nobody in the community knew her under that name, especially because she was kind of transient. So she was kind of coming and going. Her name was Jasmine Sierra. And, um, the transgender community and the people that like knew her and cared about her didn't even know she had passed away or that she was murdered for like two months after it happened. And so I organized a rally to show that the community knows that she was murdered and that we care to grieve, but also to show the police department that people are like watching and like making sure that like this gets justice. Because sometimes what happens, especially with transgender women of color, is that their murders aren't always investigated. Not specifically here in Bakersfield, but just throughout the country. This is a kind of common um, pattern is that people won't investigate the murders of transgender women of color because often they're assumed or they are sex workers and they assume that nobody cares about them, that they don't have family that really will keep following. So I kind of held a rally to show that, one, the transgender community knows she died and we want to see justice happen for her. Two, we were going to mourn the life that we lost. And um, three, to kind of call them out for not really respectfully using her name and pronouns in the media. Like we understand for like official paperwork, it has to be her legal name. But for interactions with the community and the family, it should have been her preferred name. And um, I wrote a story about it for the news publication I work for, South Kern Soul. And I was actually called into the Bakersfield Police Department. Um, When I got there, there was about like 
maybe five or six of us in our LGBT co- uh, cohort because we were going to go and talk about community relations. But it turned out to be about like eight police officers that just spent the whole time like berating me and trying to get me to recant my statement and said like I made them look bad, that I put the transgender community back like 10 years, almost kind of like threatening like, oh, what you said is going to like like backfire against your community. And um, it got me scared for a while because I'm like, okay, these, these police officers have my address, they have my phone number, like are they going to come after me? I'm an activist, like I'm public, like, you know, all these different things. It was pretty scary. Um, but you know, like you just have to keep fighting for justice because one of the things that happens in Kern County is because the climate is so hard here, a lot of our social advocates get burnt out and they get just so disheartened with the lack of change that they end up moving to more progressive places like Los Angeles or San Francisco. But then we lose our leaders here in Kern County. And then it's like, we have to train a whole other generation to be a leader. So that's why I feel like it's really important, um, to speak out. Our Rise Up Be Heard reporter Daniel Jimenez talked to him about that article and his adoration for labor rights activist Dolores Huerta. You work with Dolores Huerta. Yes. She is considered a living legend to many. What was it like? I, I just have to ask you this question. What was it like to work with her? It was intimidating. I mean, she's super <laughs> nice. Like, she's, like, super down to earth, like... You know, it's weird because she would, like, text me sometimes or call my phone. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, Dolores, why is this calling my phone right now? Um, she actually trained us. Every time every time they get a new organizer, she trains them in house meeting, organizing style, like how she did it with the UFW. It's a lot really intense. Like, oh, my God, I'm in front of Dolores. We're at the, like, trying to use, you know, trying to do her organizing tactic. And she's, like, the expert in this. And she's going to, like, critique it. And, you know, it's – but, I mean, she's amazingly supportive in um, – you know, just really genuine. And, and something that just, like, really speaks to me is, like, you know, we have this whole concept of intersectionality that we talk about so much in social justice movements these days. But, like, Dolores Breath is, like, somebody that just, like, exuberates, like, that that kind of, like, ideal and her values before, like, I think that term was even around. Like, you know, back in the 60s, Delano and Kern County was where the United Farm Workers movement started. It's like people don't really own the history and the culture of the Central Valley. You know, she had um, canvassed and door knocked for Harvey Milk up in San Francisco. Um, you know, the UFW would come out to gay pride parades and, like, you know, they would form alliances with these, you know, different things. You know, they showed up for, like, Martin Luther King and, you know, the civil rights movement for, for black and African Americans. And, you know, she was a feminist, you know, just all these different things. She's just so courageous. And, like, she always uses her platform to try to advocate for the most marginalized. Like, I really do, like, appreciate having the opportunity to work with her. And out of everybody in Bakersfield, they were the only organization that was supporting the work because a lot of the LGBT community that's activists are employed by the high school district. So they were kind of, like, worried, like, oh, if we start doing this, like, campaign and the school district knows I'm an activist for this, then, like, is it going to affect my employment? But Dolores were at the foundation. They were speaking up for transgender students when nobody else was and like LGBT students like on the advocacy level so like I have a lot of respect for them some people call Kern County Bakersfield is in Kern County yeah and some people call Kern County the forgotten county do you agree with that to an extent I feel like you know a lot of times we're overlooked but then I feel like people prop up Kern County as just kind of like a joke sometimes in the statewide like oh it's so conservative there it's like little texas or you know like oh they have so much stds or pollution or meth or all the racists live in kern county (laughs) you know they could just go on with a lot of the bad things which like it's just as frustrating because like yes there's a lot of problems but you know there's like i said there's a lot of people who are working really hard behind the scenes fighting uphill battles to change these you know these um problems that plague our community and trying to make things better and they're really kind of unsung heroes that don't get like attention paid to them so Kern County, being a very conservative county, 
how are you able to speak out and 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 you know just fight against these issues or or you know just stand up for for these communities that are so uh oppressed it can be scary like i'm not gonna lie just especially because um there's so much fear in kern county because for a long time the the powers that be in kern county whether it's the law enforcement agencies whether it's the you know the, the big uh farming agricultural businesses um you know, whether it's, uh, you know, school boards and, and, and governmental agencies, they haven't been held accountable for so long that all these injustices keep happening and people don't ever see change and it just really is disheartening to them. So they get scared to come out and speak out because they're like, what's the point if nothing's going to change? But I don't feel that way. Like I do get scared sometimes. Um, but I also have to think like, if I don't say something, I don't know for sure that somebody else will. And so it's kind of that thing is like, do you want to be part of the problem where you just keep witnessing these things and not saying anything? Because that's, that's almost equally as bad as being the ones that are perpetrating these injustices to see them happening and not saying anything. It is, and it can be kind of scary, especially being trans, because like I worry sometimes, like, am I going to be targeted because I am so public? Like people know me, like I've been recognized in public before, which is kind of scary. I think about this a lot, especially like on campus, because I'm not really out at my school campus because I'm worried about like facing harassment for going to the bathroom or different things like that, um, where I actually have to like kind of create like safety plans for myself just being out and about. So it's scary, but I think it's important to continue to advocate as well. As a white LGBT youth, has it been difficult to work with the Latino community? You know, I think there's a stereotype that like Latinos are like more homophobic they're like you know you see that propagated a lot in the media or like communities of color are more homophobic but that's not been my experience at all most of the almost all of the people who have been the best mentors to me whether lgbt or straight have been latinos and latinas like i have a lot of respect for the latino um latinx community because like i said when uh, my own lgbt community wasn't really you know like supporting my work like it was always like the Latino folks who were really like willing to, to take a chance on me and to really accept me and to try to like listen and to try to learn and, and to really try to come together in solidarity. I don't want to like paint the picture like there isn't problems. I do recognize that it was like I'm, you know, a white LGBT person working for, you know, an organization that primarily serves like Latinx communities. Um, and what does that mean to be taking that spot? And that's something I had a lot of conversations with about with my boss at the Lawyers Worth the Foundation. Um, but what ultimately came down to was the fact that there's not a lot of, I'm probably one of the only youth in Kern County that has the skills to be able to do like organizing as a job. Um, at the time when I was hired for them and my whole goal was to be able to impart these skills to Latinx, uh, LGBTQ youth so that they can take over. So it's just kind of like, you know, trying to trying to build up the next generation of leaders so that somebody else can take over and, and sharing the knowledge and the skills and the power that I have. Um, but I'm just very grateful for the opportunity to have worked with folks. And I, I think we accomplished some really great stuff when I was working there. I'm an activist as well. I started advocating for um, immigrant rights, undocumented rights back when I was in college. And I soon, soon after, I, I realized that Um, I was being a little selfish because I was just advocating for the rights of immigrants, which is something that affects me directly. And so I, I realized that to me, justice is advocating for everyone. Mm -hmm. So not just undocumented rights or immigrant rights, but also gay rights, woman rights, mm -hmm. animal rights. That was that, that's when I learned what justice truly means, you know, advocating for everyone. Mm -hmm. So that's justice for me. I want to ask you, what's justice for you? 
Well, I would definitely agree. Um, one of the, the one of the things that's inspired that I think about a lot, like especially around like solidarity and intersectionality, is um, that poem by I forget exactly who it was, but it was during the it was during the Holocaust. And it was like first they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist, and then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I was a Jew, uh, wasn't a Jew. But then um, when they came for me, there was nobody else to speak out for me. And it's not just the whole idea of like you know speaking up for others so they speak up for you, but it's just the idea that like no one's for you when some people are facing like oppression. Um, so I definitely agree, like, you have to advocate for everybody. You can't just advocate for yourself and your own group. And we are back in the studio with the man, the myth, the legendary. It's, it's pretty, it's me. It's uh, Felonious Monk. Anyway, uh, so much of activism seems to stem from people not feeling protected or not feeling heard. And here's a case where uh, Dean Welliver took it upon himself to make sure that he spoke up not only for his own rights, but for the rights of other trans individuals, only to have the people who are tasked with taxpayer dollars to protect us telling him, no, we're not going to protect you unless you do things our way. And, and so here's the thing about law enforcement. Law enforcement is not supposed to be based on the condition that you like law enforcement. Right. You don't have to like food for it to be healthy. You don't have to like water for it to be necessary. And you don't have to like police officers for them to do their jobs fairly. Um, So, you know, what Dean is doing is extremely brave and I stand with him and I hope we all will continue to stand with him and other members of the trans community who are just doing what all of us are trying to do. And that's live as themselves. Uh, Special thanks to Daniel Jimenez for his amazing work again on this story. I am. The fantastic, I mean, seriously, have have you heard me? I'm really good at this podcasting thing. I'm Felonious Monk. You've been listening to The Brave, which makes you a winner. The Brave Podcast is a project of Fusion Media Group in partnership with the California Endowment. The Rise Up Be Heard program manager is Jacob Seamus. The show is produced by Raghu Manavalan. Our executive producer is Jonathan Hirsch and... Fusion's executive director of audio is Mandana Mofidi. Special thanks to Fusion Stephen Keppel and Marcelo Rodriguez of the California Endowment and to Audio Link LA Studios in Los Angeles, California. You can find out more about the incredible men and women featured on this podcast in the show notes of this episode. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Next up on the podcast... Intersectionality is... Knowing that your struggle, you know, if you are undocumented, you know, if you are black, you know, and being shot down, if you're from the LGBT community and being and facing bullying um, as a woman, you know, in spaces that are sexist, you know, or that are violent. I think whatever struggle that I, you're in, I think you have to believe that you can't possibly win that fight without the rest of those circles. Don't miss it. Seriously, subscribe so you won't miss it, okay? And I'm Felonious Monk. I'll see you next time. Hey, it's the funniest felon in TV. Hey, it's uh, it's my mom's favorite only son. There we go. Are right, you ready for this one?